Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're talking about the Kingdom of God. And I rolled in just seconds before the show started, which is why I played the wrong intro there for, at first. Had uh, changes in my schedule because of other people had to go out on the desert, and uh, we got everything done, and they said, get back and do the show. So here I am back into the show. And uh, we do have call-ins, and uh, you can do call-ins. I don't know. I don't see a lot of people lining up. But uh, the show was not scheduled till just a few seconds ago uh, before I came on. But uh, that's the way it rolls. Let's see. I was looking for guest calls. And you can have guests call in at 319-527-6208. That's at least one number that will call in. So if you're out there listening on Freedomizer Radio and you want to call in, you can call in on that number. And then I guess you push some number like one or something and... And I can turn your mic on. And uh, we had one caller last week uh, that uh, called in. I saw quite a few callers there, but only one of them actually raised their hand. And I saw how that works. There's a couple of other buttons I haven't quite figured out yet. But uh, they asked a question about the militia. And, of course, you know, 90% of the people I talk to have no clue what the word militia refers to. They have vague Hollywood or uh, bad schooling view of what the militia is. The militia is just able-bodied men between the ages of 17 and 45. And most of what those able-bodied men did for the community, you know, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, was they built schools. They built roads. They put out forest fires. They were part of the government but it was the voluntary government because militia are voluntary you're automatically a member of the militia but if you're between 1745 by statute but of course the militia was not created by statute the militia is just a compilation of your right to defend yourself to protect yourself to protect your family to protect your community you have a natural right that does not stem from the constitution therefore does not stem from statute we talked about that this morning statutes are not subject to the administration of government like Thomas More said no uh, law passed if the world is flat he said <laughs> I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's basically what he said. If the world is flat, no decree of the king can make it round again. If the world is round, no act of parliament can make it flat. Uh, That is outside the purview of statute. It is what it is. It is the law. And the law of nature, and that's really what he was defending, the law of nature says you have a right to protect yourself. It's actually rights were responsibilities. The word right used to mean responsibility. If you had the means to protect the community and you did not, people considered you a lawbreaker because you could afford a 15-round magazine and you didn't buy one. 
<laughs> See, they're outlawing uh, anything over a 10-round magazine in the state of Oregon. Actually, if you own it, you're supposed to be outlawed. And so you're going to have to prove that you actually owned multiple magazines before the law goes into effect because you can't buy them anymore. If you already own them, they are supposedly grandfathered in, but the law is written ambiguously. And again, when I say law, the statute, is, which is it's going to become a statute because a bunch of stupid voters voted on it because they were deceived by a bunch of people promoting the measure 114. If you want to know more about it, go to our website at preparingyou.com. I won't put this up on the church site, but up on the Preparing You site, I have an expose on Measure 114 that tells you what's wrong with it, how they lied. And the liar, the ultimate liar about Measure 114 in Oregon, the chief proponent liar of liars was a guy by the name of Mark Knudsen who calls himself Reverend Mark Newson as if he has something to do with Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ and I both know he doesn't have anything to do with Jesus Christ. He doesn't even know Jesus Christ. He is actually a worker of iniquity because he wants to take away the rights of his neighbor to defend himself, his family, and his community. He wants to take that away under the false pretense that... There is a health and safety crisis in Oregon. Well, there are health and safety crises in the the great state of Oregon. <laughs> and most of it is perpetrated by the not-so-great government of Oregon. <laughs> and uh, the people who think they're the health authority in Oregon. Uh for instance, there's 94 people that have been killed by homicides in the state of Oregon. Many of those have been killed by illegal aliens. Many of them have been killed by illegal aliens. Mark Knudsen likes to bring illegal aliens into the country with no supervision as to who they are, no oversight whatsoever, and then protects them from the law enforcement of the capital state, capital Oregon, uh, because he's a lawbreaker. He is not just in the unrighteous mammon, neither is he just, uh, therefore he is not suitable for more righteous habitations. Now I'm saying that about him in hopes that he repents and turns around. And if we make a recording of this, well, we're going to make a recording of it. I'd love to send it to him. And if you want to send it to him, you can do that. Uh, I will try to get it up uh, on the website. And if anybody wants it, just let me know and I will get this to him. Because he is in great danger of losing his soul. So, and, I, and if he wants to come on the program, I will explain to him. If he wants to just get a private call, I'll talk to him for a little bit. But I can't guarantee that I won't record it. But... Uh, the reality is, is that th- these ministers of the beast, the, the ministers of the adversary of God, who claim to be ministers of Christ, are terrible. But they're getting away with it because most of the people are not actually attending to the weightier matters. In order to attend the weightier matters, you have to learn what the way to your matters are and how to attend to them. And that's one of the things that we talk about on a regular basis. So the militia isn't about owning guns, although certainly everybody has a right to own a guns. 
the militia is about helping the community, protecting the community. And anybody can start doing that. Hopefully, you also start doing it in a way that you start practicing pure religion, start developing your personal character, start learning patience, start learning forgiveness, start learning to walk in the ways of the Spirit, the, the ways of revelation, or as some scientists would call, the way of resonating. That's actually, I'm quoting uh, Matthias uh, Desmond. If you, you can look up Matthias De- Desmond uh, at the website, or mass formation of psychosis and read about Matthias. There's links there. You know, we have all kinds of links at the the section on measure 114 that will start clarifying what people need to be doing in a free society. Unfortunately, people aren't thinking about what they should do to have a free society. They're certainly not doing what they should do to have a free society. And they're disappointing God something terrible. Just absolutely something terrible. And hope, my hope is that they change their thinking and turn around and go the other way. So if anybody has any questions about changing their thinking, they can raise their hand by pushing any key. I think one is will work. And uh, we'll try to answer your questions. Otherwise, I'm going to keep on keeping on. Like I said, I I didn't think I was going to make it to the show uh, because we had to go out on the desert and uh, sort large animals uh, in large numbers <laughs> for somebody tomorrow. And hopefully it's all work out. But I've got them all sorted. And uh, And they said, rush back and get on the show. So here we are. So this morning we talked about the different offices that uh, Caesars had in the once great Republic of Rome. And many of those same offices are duplicated today in our time uh, that were duplicated by the Caesars who became Imperator, came the Tribunicia Potestas, uh, became the Apotheos Principate, Imperator, uh, Actoritas, uh, Pontifex, uh, Maximus, and ended up being the genus of Rome. And the genus, I, you know, it's, it looks like it's saying genius of Rome. As if, but see, the word genius actually comes from this word, genus. But the word genus has to do with the original father of a family. He is the genus of the family. He is the one who gets to decide what the family is going to do, how the family is going to share its resources, how it's going to provide for your neighbors. They're going to help rightly divide the bread from house to house that is necessary in time of famine. They're going to decide uh, which of their sons go in the militia to fight uh, foreign invaders or criminals or help put out the forest fire because they're in charge of the family. This morning, at the beginning of the program, we listened to the news and the government officials were coming on and saying, parents have no right to dictate what we're teaching in the schools based on statute. Because the statute determined we must obey the statute. Which is, in other words, we're just following orders. (laughs) Which is what they're doing. But you can't trust these guys anymore. But you can't do anything about it either. And you can't do anything about it because you don't know anything about how a free society operates. And you don't know anything how America operates. The the reason the militia was putting out fires, building roads, building schools, um, helping when there were crop failures and people were starving, they helped it. We saw that down in Louisiana during 
uh, terrible storm. FEMA was supposed to come, but they were late. They were the the water wasn't being delivered. Help wasn't coming. But an army of uh, boat people went out and started helping their community. I, Stossel has shown several times on videos that he's put together. Other people have done it too. We've seen uh, people in um, war zones that volunteers do way better job than mercenaries, which is what you have if you go and you work for some of these big companies. And, you know, I, I know people that work for the Red Cross and they are just fed up because the Red Cross is becoming a bureaucracy as well and very inefficient many times. And a great deal of money, I, last I heard, the head of the Red Cross makes $600,000 a year. And he doesn't go out and help anybody. He's just a CEO. But he's managed to jack his wages up to 600000 a year. And this is quite a few years ago, so I don't know what they are now. Uh, my wages, zero, zilch, nada. <laughs> we help people who actually saved lives uh, from time to time because the Holy Spirit said, go here, go there. <laughs> we went there and there was somebody dying. <laughs> we saved them. <laughs> but uh, we want thousands of people to have that same presence of mind and same understanding and same wisdom because when you sacrifice your time, your energy, uh, your your personal sweat and toil because you actually are learning what it means to care about others as much as you care about yourself you are going to form form the militia of Christ the what do they call, call it uh, the army of Christ the uh, Christian soldiers uh, the army of saints and uh, they army of saints they may have swords or guns or whatever Jesus said you know if you don't have a gun go get it oh no no wait he said if you don't have a sword go get it so that's fine but our but if you just go get a sword but you don't go get the Holy Spirit if you don't draw near the Holy Spirit if you don't draw near the tree of life if you don't receive the breath of God into your heart and your mind you'll probably do the wrong thing with the gun <laughs> so so I, I don't want to just blanket everybody go get a gun. No, no, that's crazy. Because uh, I really don't want everybody to have a gun. But I don't want to be the guy that goes around and make laws like Newton did to keep it. Because I don't know. I don't know which one of you should get it. Which one of you shouldn't. It's not my decision. I'm not I'm not a dictator. I'm not an imperator or apotheos or principate or octoritas uh, or tribunica. Uh, potestas I'm I'm actually what Caesar said he was I'm amongst equals that's what Christ see the difference this is another thing you know I talked this morning about Caesar was called the son of God Jesus was called the son of God the Caesar was called the savior Jesus was called the savior both of them had a genus based on their father in heaven but Jesus didn't tell everybody to micromanage everybody. Caesar wants to micromanage everybody. In order to do that, he has to give power to thousands and thousands of people that will come and eat out your substance and try to regulate every aspect of your life. They want to tax you. They want to control you. They want to force you into submission to them because they are thousands upon thousands of little tyrants. That's how big tyrants get to be big tyrants. They enlist the help of thousands and thousands of little tyrants. 
And so I'm not a tyrant, but I'm getting really tired of hurting cats. But I will do it as long as God gives me breath. And so, and and I know from personal experience, you cannot herd cats. <laughs> cats are going to do what they want to do. But we're looking for the Jesus cats, cats that want to do what Jesus wants them to do. And Jesus wants you to do what God wants you to do. And that's why Jesus, who was called the Son of God, who was the King of Judea, hailed as the highest son of David, took the kingdom away from the Pharisees as he said he did, appointed to the apostles as he said he did, appointed to the the Sanhedrin of Christ, which was the 70 that he picked. He did all that. And any and he got he manipulated so they say anybody who wants to get the baptism of Jesus Christ will be kicked out of our system of social welfare and they will be separate they will be sacrosanct separate from us and thousands two thousand one day three thousand the next or vice versa became Christians. And that's just the men. That's 2,000, 3,000 families became Christians. And they began to follow the ways of Christ. And they created a social welfare system based on charity alone. Based upon love alone. And next thing you know, daughters and men are having insights about coming plagues. Coming famines. Coming disasters. I wonder how many Christians were trapped when Vesuvius blew up. And were they trapped? There had to be some Christians at Pompeii. Had to be. I mean, the Christians were all over. And you never know where they're going to pop up. But how many Christians just suddenly said, I think we ought to leave Pompeii. Let's get a boat. And we'll go to the mainland. And those who didn't kept doing, you know, like in the days of Noah, kept doing their own thing thinking that they're saved and their gods would save them and maybe some false Christians around. I don't know. There certainly were false Jews around that said they had Moses, but they did not know Moses. They said, oh, no, well, I think we could say, I think it'll be okay because Jesus will save us. Moses will save us. God will save us. But now they're being excavated in Pompeii. <laughs> piles of ash petrified there in the grounds of Pompeii because the ash came down and just swallowed up people in, in a, twinkling of, a twinkling of an eye. We don't know how many people died in other places. We can go there to Pompeii now and excavate it and say, oh, look, there were people here. There were people in this room. There were people running down the street and they didn't make it. They didn't make it because they didn't leave when God told them to leave. But they didn't hear God tell them to leave because they weren't listening to God. They were listening to their own hearts and minds. They weren't doing what God said. Well, I can't tell you what God wants you specifically to do. But in generalities, I know that God wants you to love one another. Gather in tens and hundreds of thousands. And this is the time to do it. This is the time to organize yourself in these tens, hundreds, and thousands. I can guarantee that if you form a congregation of ten families they will not all be saints but some of them might become saints somewhere along the line and then there's a whole question of saints 
But people are always looking. I don't know if I want to be with them because I don't think they're perfect. They don't seem to know all about Jesus like I know about Jesus. Well, who made you judge? You're just supposed to fill your heart with the love of Christ. You're supposed to become a beacon of light to the world. Like Christ was the light. You're supposed to be the light to the world. And as you become that light to the world, then when you walk in the room, those who do not love the light will become uncomfortable. And the more God turns up your light, because you can't turn it up, but the more you do the will of the Father in little things, if it's some big thing, you know, like storming the castle or something like that, well, you're going to get all proud. Like, we did this. We did this big thing. We did that big thing. No. It's, you just, it's not a big thing. It's not a little thing. It's doing what Christ wants you to do. Yeah, there's somebody out here and, you know, I had never bothered him about, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, he, he's watching a trailer out there and a pump house out there. And, uh, uh, we were having really cold nights, you know, down to near zero, three degrees, one degree, that kind of thing in different parts of the valley. And uh, all of a sudden, I was up talking to him and I turned to him and I said, have you been checking, you know, the pump house and the and the trailer, making sure everything that the water's flowing, that it's not freezing? Have you been looking at it carefully? And I looked right at him and said it. And he noticed that I looked at him differently. And I I just did what came natural. And, well, the next day he got a hold of me and wanted to know, why did you ask that? <laughs> and I thought, like, why do you want to know why I asked? <laughs> and I trusted him. And, and he's been doing a great job. But then I started thinking, well, why did I say that? I was led to say it. And And what you do, a lot of times when we listen to the Holy Spirit... Or we think we are. Because it's not like listening to, you know, a speech somewhere. It's not like somebody sent you a message and you got it printed out. It's not in the intellectual side of your brain when you're listening to the Holy Spirit. It's a still, small voice. It's 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 something that is not even a voice. You don't hear voices. You, you feel drawn towards something. Like, go here. And you go down that street. And you go down that street because it says, go this way. And you don't even know why. You just feel this pulling and you follow it. And you save somebody's life. Or you, you meet somebody you you would have never met otherwise. Or you're there for somebody. I mean, like it tells you to put something in your pocket in the morning. And you think, I don't need that. But you put it in the pocket and lo and behold, you need it later. Those are little things. But there will be big things. You know, like, get out of Pompeii. <laughs> But if you're not listening to the little things, you're not going to hear the big things either. So you listen to the... Because you're... you, And this is what meditation is. Learning to wait upon the Lord. Listening to, Lord, you got a message for me. I'm not going to make up a message. I'm not going to make up a doctrine. I'm not going to make up an ideology. I'm going to listen for you in the moment. I'm going to be in this moment because that's where the kingdom is. I mean, the kingdom is in the past and it's in the future, but you're in the moment. Your contact with the kingdom is in the moment. It's a divine spark. And so you want to listen to the kingdom 
in the moment. And it will tell you to do certain things. And usually they're little things to start with. Later on, it may be big things. But that's why you know we have a whole page on meditation. If you don't meditate, or you don't know about meditation, or you want to know about meditation, we have a page there. You can read that. I think I have some audios on there that talk about it. But what it is, is learning to be still. You're not making it up. Now, you're not making it up for yourself. You're not deciding what you should do. You're listening to what God wants you to do. You don't know what it is. Maybe you'll get a little inclination. You think, well, he wants me to go here. I'll tell you a story of St. Francis of Assisi. They call him St. Francis. I just call him Frank. <laughs> no, I'd call him Francis. but I don't need to call him St. Francis. I haven't met him yet. At least I don't think I have. <laughs> but I think he was... I think he was kingdom material. And he was a pretty wild guy. And he had this feeling that uh, he uh, should build a church. He was, he was getting into the repentance mode. He was starting to see that his wild life was not the answer, that there is an answer. And he was listening to something in his heart. And it said to build the church. Build my church. And he thought, okay. And so he started getting wood and he started getting stones and there was an old church nearby that was all falling down and so he started building it up. Started getting stones and piling them up and getting wood to make rafters and all this kind of stuff. And then eventually he got this realized, oh, you don't mean a building. (laughs) You mean what the church really is. Now I don't know about all of his conversations and all of his ponderings and all that kind of stuff but he started preaching what I'm telling you gather together start taking care of one another stop looking to governments and they didn't have nearly the temptation because governments weren't helping you much but start taking care of one another providing for one another in a way that strengthens one another as a community you don't go, you wouldn't send your kids to public school. They didn't have too many of those in those days. But you wouldn't send, you know, you, you want to take care of your parents. You want to take care of your children. You want to do it yourself. A lot of people say, well, I don't know if I can homeschool my kids. Both I and my wife, we have to work. Well, maybe both of you do have to work. But if you were in a congregation of 10, you could homeschool your kids. And then these guys that say, you can't tell us what to teach your children. Now you can because you're not going to the benefactors who exercise authority. You're going to the kingdom of God, which is where people love their neighbor as themselves and want to help their neighbor as themselves. And, you know, if you have small kids, I'm sure we can find some elderly people that will watch your kids or maybe some young teenagers that are homeschoolers also. They'll come over and watch your kids and they'll do their studies at your house. Or maybe you can go over to their house. You have to look. Now that's a, that's a, now exactly how that pans out for you. I don't know. Holy Spirit knows. And the Holy Spirit will show you. But you have to step out. Holy Spirit may say, go to this house, go to, with these people. And then after a little while it says, now don't go there anymore. Come away. Like the Holy Spirit might have told somebody to go to Pompeii. Go to Pompeii and preach the kingdom. Right up to the day Vesuvius blew up. And then that day, they said, go get a boat and be out of town by 10 o'clock. 
I don't remember what time of day it was when it blew up. But there were a lot of people not ready. Now, there were people, we do know by history, that there were people that were leaving. I mean, it was smoking, but it smokes a lot of times. But uh, they, they didn't know it was going to erupt with this massive, hot, steaming hot cloud that just killed people instantly. And then covered them with this burning hot ash so that they turned to stone. But some people left just before that happened. They knew to leave just before that happened. I remember there were people in the San Francisco earthquake that had premonitions that I need to be out of town. And they told people. And they were out of town. And the people they told, some of the people they told were out of town. Others stayed there. And a lot of people survived anyway. But maybe he saved other lives because he had this premonition. That that was characteristic among some of the Israelites, the early Israelites. They began to lose that as they began to look to kings to fight their battles for them, like Saul and David. The people became weaker and weaker. When Saul started forcing an offering, and Rehoboam said, I will, my father whipped you with whips, I will whip you with scorpions. And this came up last night. Like I said, I, I, I started listening to Jordan Peterson's uh, lessons on Exodus, and we will eventually get into that. But it, that was brought up, uh, that, uh, that that connection to the being the bondage of Egypt and what Rehoboam was doing in Israel. Well, once people understand that, and the one guy who brought it up, he didn't say much more about it, but I'll, I will watch other episodes and see if they get into it as they get farther into Exodus but I hope to make some videos where I can go over these things and share them with you. But, I mean, my plate is full. I get to bed at midnight. I'm up before 5 or 4 o'clock. And so uh, there's a lot going on. <laughs> so we'll see if we can make it happen. I've got some help now. Uh, but if you guys would all sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start forming congregations, whether you're with saints or not, but just turn up the love. If you're... If you actually have enemies in your congregation, you know that's a blessing, right? You know, if if an enemy of Christ joins your congregation of ten, that's a blessing for you. You know why? Because now you can you've got an enemy right there that you can love with the love of Christ. And if you really love them with the love of Christ you know what? They're going to want to leave. You know, I've had people come. I knew they were part of the enemy hanging out. That they, you know, I didn't know if they were going to repent someday, but I knew they hadn't repented yet. And I knew they, they had not really accepted, even begin to accept Christ. Now, they thought they had accepted Christ, but I knew they didn't because they could not see some of the basics. They couldn't see their covetous practices they couldn't see their denouncing of the basics of the gospel of Christ. They had their ideology of the basics of Christ. But it wasn't the real basics of Christ. And we talk about the real basics of Christ all the time. You're certainly not going to bite one another. You're not going to go to men who exercise authority and say, Would you bite my neighbor? You know, take something away from my neighbor so I can have free stuff. You know, like take care of my mom. You know, to get free school for my kids. You know, fund the police. Uh, there was one thing I think it was said. 
I think Prager U said it. Not Prager U. Prager. <laughs> Dennis Prager said it. Because uh, he's on the panel with Jordan Peterson. And and he should get it. But he, he... I don't think he gets it quite yet. I don't know. But maybe God is holding his eyes back and maybe he will someday. And that's what I hope without everybody. I don't, I don't want to judge him. But he he was talking about if you want to defund the police... We can do that. All we have to do is keep the commandments. Everybody keep the commandments and then we can defund the police. And and that that's the question is how do you get everybody to agree? But the truth is if we could get 5% of Americans to actually keep the commandments including maybe even especially I wouldn't want to exclude any of them. The one about thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods, which means thou shalt not ask the government to provide free education, health care, Medicare, Social Security for my family because I know that's a covetous practice. I know I'm accustomed to doing that. I know that most modern Christians are accustomed to looking to the government to provide all that. But I know that that will weaken the poor. It won't strengthen them. It will make things worse. And it will make tyrants stronger. I know that. I mean, it's been well known, documented throughout history. I'd love to have that conversation with Dennis and see, you know, let's have a fireside chat, Dennis. <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, I love everybody. I love Dennis. Uh, but I want to make sure that he's got the whole message of God. I was going to say gospel. but And he likes Christians. I mean, he says he likes Christians. And they even said, somebody said that. And he said, I think it was Peterson. Maybe we'll get those little clips and we'll do videos on it. Where he says, well, do you want to, I don't remember if it was please or what. I'd have to go play it back. We'll, we can say that. Are you interested in being on the side of the Pharaoh or you want to be on the side of God? <laughs> and that's the thing is that if you still think it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods through men who exercise authority, you're not, you're on the side of Pharaoh. You're not on the side of God. You're not on the side of Moses. You can know Hebrew, but you're not on the side of Moses. And there's other parameters that we could add to that, but that's, that's one of the big mysteries. It's not a mystery that you're not to covet your neighbor's goods, but it's a mystery that they don't see that they're coveting their neighbor's goods. That is amazing, that they don't see the desiring benefits at the expense of your neighbor is coveting your neighbor's goods. That is absolutely amazing that people think that they're ministers and they do that. But if you, but, but I understand that people need help. I'm not telling people to not collect their social security if, if they're that age I'm I'm way beyond that I'm past the mandatory age for collecting social security I don't collect a dime I, I I've waived my right to social security and if you read the free church report you'll know how that was everybody can't do that and we've explained that time and time again but the people who really want to serve God in the kingdom of God and uh, uh, the way that the ministers of the early church served God, 
they can now do so. But those who, but that everybody can't do that. And, and you're just not ready. But if you start down that road, whether you ever get to the end or not, because many of us are going to die. Many of us are going to face death. That's, I mean, that, Christians did get persecuted. I talked to one of our ministers about exactly w- what they're up to. I mean, we, we've seen them, you know, I, you know, I've been seeing this for 70 years. Uh, maybe you can say, well, I actually, I think I can just about say 70 years, 68 years I've been seeing it. Because I can remember back when I was like seven years old and beginning to see the kingdom. And I would have those Kodak moments. And I know this is important or this is important. And now I see why they're important. I didn't know then, but I know now. And when I entered St. Joseph's College back in 1962, I uh, I would listen to them and say, well, what about this? What about that? Well, they weren't really my questions. God was giving me the questions. I didn't understand how it worked. I thought everybody saw the things that I saw. I, I quickly found out that the priests who were supposedly teaching me, most of them did not see what I saw. I think at least two people were beginning to see what I saw. And they did... Exceptional. These men had been tortured by the communist Chinese, imprisoned, uh, their lives in danger. They were Catholics. They were priests. They were bishops and archbishops. Uh, but they weren't like any other bishop I ever saw or any other priest I ever saw all the time that I was associated with the Roman Catholic Church. I never saw priests like these those two priests I'm going to leave it down to two there might have been a couple others but these two stood out it was something about them they were seen but they had faced death many times and uh, one of them lived to about 98 passed away but they had already faced death and they had made commitments and like I say you know for a bishop archbishop Get up every morning at 4 o'clock. Go down to the local hospital. And take care of patients for free. You know, actually, not just say prayers over them, but actually change bedpans, help them, bathe them, you know, whatever they needed in the hospital. He was a worker. Do that all day, then come back to us poor seminarians (laughs) and share things with us. And I know he was walking in the Spirit. I know he was doing that. But uh, he let me walk in the Spirit according to where he, he knew that God had a, a purpose for me. But God has a purpose for you. If you're still listening, I see that some of the telephone numbers over here. I recognize some of those numbers. God has a purpose for you. But I can't tell whether you're going to listen to God in your own heart mind and do it. You see, it doesn't matter to me whether you're the enemy or the ally. The love is the same. I don't need to judge you. I don't need to decide whether you're good or evil. I just need to look for the good and evil in my own heart and allow the light of God to purge the evil and fill the darkness of my own heart with light. That's the key. That's the secret. 
I don't see any hands coming up. I have been checking. <laughs> but anyway, maybe everybody's just too enthralled with the conversation. So I need to look at a clock. Oh, I've got one on the wall over there. So so anyway, what what I discovered is this consolidation of power that was in Rome took place over a period of years. I mean, actually, they were a pure republic pretty much right out of the box after they threw out the Tarquinian kings. You can you can see by some of the evidence that there were people trying to drag uh, the this republic, this Libra Republic, back the other way. But the key thing was a lot of it was in the hearts of the people. We have very little record as to what was being said amongst the people when they threw out the Tarquinian kings. We know the Tarquinian kings were were usurping authority that was not theirs. Much like when they we threw out King George. He he was we did not rebel against King George. King George rebelled against the colonial charters. He violated the colonial charter, charters. That's why they talk about usurpation. They weren't the Declaration of Independence says nothing about taxation without representation. It says taxation without consent. Because there were many landed Americans living here in the colonies that were freemen. They actually owned their land. They were freemen. The taxes he was trying to impose in America were illegal in America. People in the Parliament were arguing this on the behalf of America and saying, you can't impose those taxes in America. You can do it in anywhere else. In the, in, in the, you can do it in Australia. You can do it in Ireland. You can do it in Wales. But you can't universally impose these taxes in America. You can put some of the taxes in America because everybody wasn't landed. And we explain this in other books. But they understood that. And they talked about that. Well, the same thing if you go back to early Rome. They tried to implement taxes. You know how they got some of the taxes and how they manipulated so the power started to centralize is they controlled the production of wheat. There was a shortage and somebody had hoarded wheat. And they were able to, when the people started going hungry, they could manipulate the people to agree. And of course, isn't that how they went into the bondage of Egypt to begin with? Now, it wasn't all at one time. And... Rome. It wasn't all at one time in America. They manipulated. You you had your golden calf. You know, there was a golden calf. Moses said, don't have the golden calf. It'll be fascinating. When they get to that part of Exodus where they're talking about the golden calf, I will be fascinated to see how they interpret the golden calf. <laughs> and and the one, one guy who brought up the, the corvi, We'll see if he brings up, you know, what the golden calf really was. We'll see if they bring it up. If they don't, I'm going to try to record little bits and pieces of it. I can only do little bits and pieces because there's a copyright protected. But if we use limited use, we'll be able to do little tiny clips. And then I will comment on them and share. And so I'm going through, I was going through, starting to go through some of the chapters of Exodus last night. And, you know, long about... One o'clock, I, 
I was done. <laughs> so I couldn't get very far. But I, I've started a whole bunch of series and, and um, I've got this idea of putting things together. Everybody wanted me to finish the book. Well, I may put together four or five more books with the materials that I have. And I'm trying to figure out a way in which I can just suddenly, boom, there's a book. And we can tailor make each book to whatever you want. And then we'll print some of them. But uh, I won't go into the details of that. But So we're working on a lot of things. But we need people to start working to help one another. Because as you really do that, as you really sit down and make that commitment to to serve God by serving your fellow man. I mean, you, you don't know how to be a militia. You don't know how to practice pure religion. You, you, you don't know how to do it yet because it's a learn by doing skill. You can't read a book and learn how to do it. I mean, I've written books, but I'm not going to convince anybody. Only God will convince you. But I can make you doubt the lie. And that's important because the lie has made millions upon millions of people doubt God. That's why we have so many atheists. I believe that we'll have lots of converts from the atheist community. (laughs) There is no atheist community. But from those who believe that they are atheists. We we may even have some gays that are converted. We may have uh, some communists that are converted. I don't know. Because... uh, God could go to a madman eating bones in the cemetery and convert him. God could go and convert a murdering lawyer. (laughs) A lawyer who has held the coats of murderers and insurrectionists. And he can convert him. God could do that. If he could do that with them, he could do that with you. He could do that with atheists today. He could do that with all kinds of people today. I can't do that at all. I just know that God has shown me these things and I'm going to testify to what he has shown me. And he showed me some interesting things recently. And I mentioned it on the morning program. That genius thing. What is the genius? And I, I, I won't have time now. Uh... I'm working on a number of pages, um, looking at the different ones. Let's see, I have one here. See, I've got about 50 pages open, so I'm trying to go down and find the one that uh, I had it there this morning. What happened? Did I close it? I added to, we have a page, Pacta Servanda Sunt. And I put some recordings on that if you're looking for something to look at that some people may want to. Find that here. I found it finally. Pacta servanda sunt. That means agreements must be kept. And you know, I explained this morning. I touched on it at least. What offices were used by the Roman Empire to persecute Christians, and what laws that were implemented by the creation of those offices, which had been around before, but. Because they were manipulating what religion was and turning what used to be private religion into public religion. Because they were manipulating the military, which was actually prior to manipulating the religion. Or actually, it was kind of left foot, right foot process. 
they made it so that people could actually go and beat up a Christian, actually smash their heads in, actually rob their homes, and they wouldn't be prosecuted for murder. They wouldn't do that because it was acceptable what they did. And you said, well, they'll never do that in America. Oh, oh, they already have. Didn't you see that during the riots? That people were breaking into stores, causing billions of dollars worth of damage. A few of them got arrested by the cops who were trying to do their job. And, and I have, you know, when I mentioned defunding, I, I have absolute utmost respect for the police officers. I'm just saying there's a better way. The way of Christ. I mean, in the kingdom of God, are there policemen? If you had 144,000 families in the kingdom of God, networked together, caring about one another, casting their bread upon the waters, being a priest to all nations, 144,000 men who had learned the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. We have an article up on that. You can go read. If you had that, you know how many policemen you would have in your police force? 144,000! <laughs> That would be 145,000 officers, sergeants in your police force. All their grown sons between the ages of 17 and 45, they'd be all the other officers. So you could actually have 300 officers in your police force. (laughs) Because you, as a, a citizen of the kingdom of God, the responsibility to attend to the weightier matters is not in some select little group that are nothing more than mercenaries. Although there are many policemen, even though they're mercenaries, they really have a genuine desire for to do what is right. And uh, so, But everybody's a policeman in the kingdom of God. Everybody's an army man in the police. Uh, the women aren't army men, but they're all shield bearers, if you know what that means. Uh, there Maybe some of them are the Florence Nightingales and the... Uh, <laughs> You know, in the, what do they call it, the, the, uh, core men, core women, who go out there and, and bandage up those guys who are injured in defending the weak and the poor. But that's what it is. But, uh, there's a page, uh, about the acts of the Silicon martyrs, which took place Back then, I should put in a little bit of a history on this page so that you know what we're talking about. This actually appears on another page. I think it appears uh, as a template on the page down at the bottom of Conflict of Christians. And so I'm going to add more to this page. I have the original Latin text and I have the original translation of that Latin text by professionals. And uh, then I have my interpretation. Now, I, I put that this together many, many years ago. Uh, I was wondering, did I have the date that I put it together? Uh, at least or somewhere around 19... Well, sometime after 1987. And uh, probably in the 90s somewhere. But uh, I have looked back at the Latin again. And uh, I can see words. I'm glancing at it right now. Uh, And I'm looking at the translation. And I have 
complaints about the translation already. <laughs> I'm just I'm in the second line, and I'm already saying that's not correct. We need to add to that. Segunda Vestia Saturninus. What's that all about? Uh, who is that? Uh, and but anyway, those are the names of the different guys who are being tried. And uh, Saturnus, the governor, said, You can have mercy from our Lord, the emperor, if you return to your senses. Because they thought these guys were crazy. But the word emperor, as I look here, over here in the original Latin, it's not in the text. He doesn't say emperor anywhere in the text. But if you go down to the second line, we see, quote, Imperatorum, Nostrum, Observamus. Well, there's the word Imperator right there in the objective case. I go over to their official translation (laughs) and they don't have the word Emperor anywhere in that translation. What's the deal? You see, when I originally looked at the translation years ago, I was depending on my schooling back, you know, in 1962 uh, when I was attending St. Joseph's College and learning Latin. I I studied Latin in other schools as well, but uh, that was some of my best, you know, official training of Latin and Greek. And that was back then. And... So when I look at these things and I go to translate them, I've, I'm playing with some of the words that are actually, you know, that I was taught by the Roman Church. But I, I've just, I'm now on the third line now and I'm looking, oh my gosh, they're not translating that correctly. And part of the reason why I know they're not translating it correctly is I went back in the last few months following the Holy Spirit last few weeks especially, looking at exactly how the Roman government had been organized and reorganized. Like I said this morning, Julius Caesar, before he was a general, he was a priest of the Temple of Jupiter. So, how did the people of the Temple of Jupiter talk compared to the people in the military? Because there was always a separation between religion and the civil government. And there's a separation between the religion and the civil government in the, in the kingdom of God. And, you know, I also was reading about certain guys who were the uh, guys who were first talking about separation of powers in, in the original uh, idea of separation of powers. And I'm still putting some of these things together, but I should say original. One of the big authors concerning separation of powers, separation of offices. And But yet, at the same time that I'm learning more about that, I see very clearly a history in a very short period of time, 50 years, 100 years at the most, that they were consolidating these offices. And they were turning offices of service into offices of power. And like I talked about this morning, they did exactly the same thing for the last 20, 30 years. Like I said, when they wrote the Patriot Act, they were doing exactly that. They were making suspicion a crime. They're, you know, 
all all the insurrectionists are being held in jail under the Patriot Act because what the way they're holding them in jail is actually illegal under common law. But you're not under common law because none of you have been exercising your rights, your responsibilities for 40, 50, 60, 70, 100 years. We've been getting farther and farther away because it's not only these offices moving more and more towards tyranny, it's the people moving more and more towards degeneration as a people. They're they're more and more away from being righteous in their generations. Again, when they say Noah was picked because he was righteous in his generations. Another way of saying that, he was righteous in his genus. Genus belongs to every man. Now, I'll leave you with this to ponder because you can go and some of these pages I've been working on aren't complete. I can see some red letters there that I have to fix some of the links and I'm going to be tying these all together into so we can take them one at a time. But the, eventually these guys in that uh, case of these Christians being tried, they were their heads were cut off right there on the spot because they didn't have faith in the genus of the emperor. And the genus of the emperor was because the emperor had everybody else's genus. Christ came to return your genus back to every family, every man to his family, and every man to his possessions. And so in order to find your way back, you have to find out how you got to where you are. And the best way to do that is to repent and seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So anyway, join us on the network. And uh, sorry, nobody found need to take a call, but we're going to try to do that. We may even take calls on the morning program. Eventually, we're working on that. But until then, all I can say is peace on your house, and may God be with you. God bless. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.